Section thirty one of the Mary Frances Story Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. The Mary Frances Storybook by Jane Eyre Fryer. John and Margaret Peyton Among Savages. The tropical island of Aniwa drowsed in the afternoon sunshine. Long, lazy swells rolling in from the Pacific broke on the outlying reefs, overflowed into the turquoise bay, and gently lapped the stretch of sandy beach. The softest of breezes stirred the palm trees and rustled the banana thickets. Before the door of a low-thatched hut nestling under clump of date palms stood a fair-haired young woman anxiously watching a canoe which was making a perilous passage through the surf to the shelter of the bay when at last it slid into the smooth water she breathed a sigh of relief and went slowly down the hill toward the shore the craft nosed stealthily up to the beach where a stalwart grave-faced white man sprang out then the boat propelled by the muscular arms of two kicky-headed blacks slipped away and vanished around a little promontory i'm glad you're safe home john the young woman cried as the big man came swiftly toward her is all well very far from that margaret the newcomer answered as he reached her side I found a great deal of unrest throughout the island because of the drought yes he replied and stood looking down upon her thoughtfully she came nearer and slipped her arm through his I can see that you are anxious John she said softly do you fear an uprising Margaret he exclaimed as they turned and began to climb the hill to the hut I should not have brought you here. Oh, she cried, more than anything else, I desired the privilege of helping you in your work. Do you mean that I have failed? That I have proved a burden rather than a help? You know it is not that, he replied quickly. You have been wonderful, dear, but I should not have allowed you to leave old Scotland for the hardships and perils of these heathen isles it has not been easy she acknowledged but i have never once regretted coming i thought i was doing right to bring you he went on but now now you feel she interposed that we are in real danger we shall be if the natives rise he replied i think you should know the truth dear her blue eyes darkened, but there was no fear in them. But the people have come to feel we are their friends, she protested. Some of them love us. Surely they will not harm us. By this time they had reached the hut. He put her gently into a camp chair before the door and flung himself upon the white sand at her feet. A trading ship touched on the other side of the island yesterday, he told her and paid for five hundred pounds worth of sandalwood with a barrel of rum i suppose 
she commented. They were little more generous this time, he replied grimly. They left several barrels. No wonder, then, she said, that the people are mad today. They also left, he continued, in the mind of the old chief the impression that we missionaries are responsible for the drought. Oh, too bad, she exclaimed softly. Yes, he agreed. Old Namaki informed me just now that if another moon passes without rain, the island will have no more of our god or of us. What did you answer? she asked. I told him, and he smiled, that I would dig in the earth and reveal a place where God's rain is buried. He scoffed at first, but finally agreed to come with his warriors and help with the digging. But John, she queried, will you really be able to dig a well on this island? Of course, I can't be certain, he answered, but I've been studying the soil and it seems probable. Anyway, it's our one chance to appease the old chief's ire and continue our work. John Gibson Payton had come out to the New Hebrides some years before and settled on the cannibal island of Tana. He had begun at once to teach the people and had succeeded in greatly improving their condition when a trading vessel had brought measles to the island. An epidemic followed, and the natives died like flies. They were so bitterly angry against those who had brought the plague that they became suspicious of all white men, even the missionary who had always helped them, and he was finally obliged to flee for his life. With great difficulty he escaped to a passing ship bound for Australia. From Australia he went to his homeland, Scotland. He had a wonderfully happy time on this visit among his friends and relatives, for he was married to the pretty Scotch lassie whom he had learned to love. He felt that life would be very hard for her on the island of Tana, and he decided to go, instead, to Anua, where the natives were less fierce and more intelligent. Besides, they had asked that a missionary be sent to them, they were very glad when he came bringing his pretty wife, and they tried to learn all he told them. All went well until the traders, who came to the South Seas for sandalwood and coconuts and the rich tropical fruits, discovered that the natives were becoming more intelligent and could not be cheated or swindled so easily since the missionaries were teaching them. So the traders made up their minds to try to turn the blacks against Dr. Peyton and his wife and his native helpers. They had not been able to do much until the time of the long drought, told about at the beginning of the story. You see, they depended almost entirely upon rain for fresh water to drink. Never before in the memory of living men had the islands been so long without rain. The people were terrified and ready for any outbreak. But the young missionaries, sitting silently under the palms, realized that the traders might so excite the natives with their talk and with rum that they might become murderers and revert to cannibalism. Where will you dig the well, John? Margaret asked at length. 
on the slope over there he nodded toward the opposite hill i shall begin work to-morrow chief namaki comes an hour after sunrise and if you succeed in reaching fresh water shall we be safe yes and if not i hate to think of what may happen but anyway she declared i am sure you will find god's rain john weary days and nights followed days when the doctor and his band of native helpers dug from dawn to dark in the sandy soil nights when the young white people too anxious to sleep sat under their palm trees and watched while the moon sank into the sea and the volcano of tan the lighthouse of the pacific flung its blazing banners high against the heavens two weeks passed and the diggers found no water then one day the continued drought left the old chief's favorite water-hole quite dry on the same day the side of the new well caved in the two troubles coming together turned the interest of namaki to suspicion when the digging began he forbade his men to take part in the work and though he watched the other toilers his beady eyes had the look of a hawk's just ready to pounce upon its prey the moon was full before the cave-in was repaired the next morning the two remaining helpers did not report for duty and old namaki told the doctor they would not come back they are my prisoners he laughed if missy peyton wished to help in finding the buried rain let his god give it his god will give it the missionary replied calmly and alone dr peyton went on with his undertaking two days three days passed and still no water namaki assumed a more threatening attitude the moon wanes he warned the missionary then one morning when the doctor went down into the well he saw something gleaming at his feet he bent down gazing with eager eyes it was water but will it be fresh he asked himself with a fast-beating heart so on tiny an island the sea water might easily penetrate the soil very slowly he dipped his finger into the now fast rising water and lifted it to his lips and then suddenly he sank down in the dampness and wept like a child the water was fresh and pure and sweet god's rain indeed by noonday the well was filled with the life-giving water and from every part of the island the natives gathered to behold the miracle of the rain which had come up from the earth instead of down from the sky and to do honor to missy peyton who had given it to them and when he assured them that it would always be there so long as the island remained in the sea and that drought would never more be bring suffering and distress among them they kissed his hands in gratitude never again did evil words of the traitors against their beloved missy have any weight with the natives of anawa and never again did they turn away from the christian religion and the christian god and if you should visit the island to-day you would be shown by the proud people the well where john gibson peyton 
found by faith and prayer and labor the buried blessing so many years ago again the story people clapped their hands as the story ended for they loved to hear nothing better than brave and unselfish deed that is a good story said mary frances yes said the story king the stories of those who risk their lives for others are the best of all our stories yes agreed the story queen they are the best of all now said the story lady we come to our fourth story end of section thirty one recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c